There is no class next Tuesday. What? What? Oh. <laughs> oh, look at And he lost his seat and everything. Come on, Jake. <laughs> Here you go, bud. Come on. Step up. Take a soft chair. Come on. You need a front row seat for this one. So, uh, yeah, why, why are we not having class next week? Pesach, but I thought Pesach was on Monday night. But era of Pesach is when we have the the Seder. So, why would we not be having class the next night? I'm sorry? It's still Pesach. It's not, because we'll meet at the end of that. Tuesday is a Shabbat, by the way, if you're working. Shame on you. Did you cut your hair? Yes. God bless you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Several of them. <laughs> We're in the diaspora. Second Seder. Right? People have second Seders. You may not be into the second Seder thing, but many folks are. So we will not meet for that reason for those that are going to be participating in a second Seder. Many folks have learned the value of having one Seder for children and one Seder focused on adults, or vice versa. Good. Okay. I feel like we haven't gotten together in weeks. But that's not true, is it? I mean, it's it's only been a week. It's only been a week. All right. So Jerry is not teaching next week. But I signed up. But he did sign up. You and I both volunteered. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? All right, we have a couple of announcements. First is that we are not going to meet next Tuesday night. Secondly, is it this Sunday? This Sunday morning is a rare occasion because I'm actually buying you bagels. And I'm buying you bagels so that you'll help my future son-in-law move his household from one part of the city to another. Again. Again. Yeah, it's getting a little old. This is the last time I'm moving him before he marries. So, if you can make it, raise your hands. If you'd love to make it, raise your hand. Good, good. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. No, no, it's, and that's not true. Well, what's, the, what's the details? 7 o'clock in the, oh my goodness, in the morning. Oh my. And I'm getting there first with the bagels. What kind of time are we talking about? Because I know I've got a wedding to go to. We all do. We moved your entire house last time in. Well, we moved two households from between 9 and 1 p.m. So in in four hours, we moved two houses. And an hour break for lunch. That's right. So three hours. Yeah. So it's possible. I'm, I'm looking at two hours. 9 o'clock, 9.30, head back, shower, put my feet up, you know, do a little bit of uh, tilling, get dressed, go to a wedding. So I hope you can help with that. Absolutely. In fact, I think this man will actually, during class, send you all of his info. So um, he's like a mega golfer or something or other at msn.com or... You know, I love to golf, and so does my wife at AOL.com or something like that. Um, 
for those of you... <laughs> this is love to shoot. That's good. That's right. Get <laughs> sweat. Yeah. <laughs> and take that, D'Artagnan. Yes. Okay. So, uh, if you are uh, if you are interested in a electronics and b the Talmud and uh, possibly c Art Scroll, oh my goodness, it's overkill. Um, Art Scroll is actually giving away a free volume of the Talmud. So if you haven't gotten hold of that and you're interested in doing that, and even if you're not interested to get a free volume of the Talmud, can't be a bad thing. You may decide at some other time to get all 102 other volumes or whatever it is. So that's, uh, that's available. If you're interested in that, come see me after class. I have the email, the address, and all that kind of good stuff. Any other announcements before we get started? The podcasts are working. Thank you, Peter. Brock, Gregory, thank you all for anything, you know. I'm just going to say, anybody that's sitting on a couch, thank you. Um, yeah, the podcast work, and uh, oddly enough, as soon as my son taught, the podcast stopped. Because he taught on meat, ampersand milk. Which is, I think, how he, that's how he put it. When he, you know, this... My class tonight is on meek ampersand milk. I mean, so there was. Yeah, well, not anymore. We don't do ampersand. This is a no ampersand zone. That's right. All right. Gimpy is going to work. Outstanding. Praise God. And Mazel Tov for making it back to work. Okay. Gotcha. Just okay. That's fine. <laughs> As he gets closer and closer to the door, yeah. I hold in my hand the Messianic Jewish Shared Heritage Bible, leather-bound edition. Actually, yes. I, oh, did you wash your hands? You um, this is uh, the Jewish Publication Society for the Tanakh, and it's. Uh, uh, TLV is uh, no, no, no. I keep saying that Tree of Life version, which is their own version made in Messianic ease. Um, so as we go through some of the apostolic scriptures this evening, I will be quoting from this. I'm going to use it. It's only been here for several weeks here in the home. Yeah, the guy who lives here has to look at it now. Yeah, did you wash your hands? It does have the Torah portions. Yes, it does. Um, I've, I've been impressed. You know, JPS, can't go wrong there. I mean, it's, it's uh, perhaps a little liberal uh, compared to the art scroll and some of the other things that we're reading with, uh, uh, with the rest of the community. Um, but Tree of Life hasn't been bad. So what I like is to read some of the passages that we're studying on a regular basis. That, I mean, you just heard them so many times. And you read them in a different version. Even if it's a bad version, you read in a different version, you get a different perspective, and it makes you think a little bit. And then even when you go back to one that's better, um, you've learned a little bit. All right. <clears throat> what I'd like to talk about tonight is, uh, is John. Actually, Yochanan Hamakvil. Yochanan? 
the immerser. Hamakvil is the immerser. Okay? So we're going to talk about him. And uh, if you recall our class from Purim, which is available by podcast now, um, we realized that the book of, of Esther, that scroll actually takes up you know, a dozen years. And we think of it being just a couple of months. And uh, I realized a couple of things about Yochanan Hamakvil as I was going through the book of John. Uh, this week, so we'll uh, we're going to look at that, son. If I could have that Bible now, thank you very much. Did you find anything uh, noteworthy or poor? Uh, is it meet your, with your approval? I mean, can we use it tonight? Haven't read the whole thing. Read the whole thing. Okay, a lot of people say that about the Bible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Okay, so we're going to take a look at that, and um, we did a class some time ago. I think a year or more ago, on Apollos. Apollos. How many people were here for the class on Apollos? Right? Almost at the couch? Yeah? Well, cheap seats? Only one. Okay. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look into Apollos again um, in just a second. So open up to the book of John. The book of John opens, opens in a wonderful way. If you have not... Uh, if you've not memorized John chapter 1 and verse 1 and verse, in verse, and verse 14, um, shame on you. Put those on your, I need to memorize this before Shabbat. John chapter 1. There you go. That's, that's even better. The Latin Vulgate, always good. What about that Pope, eh? Francis. Named himself after... Francis of Assisi, yes, this is a Jesuit priest. Um, how many of you have heard of uh, John Michael Talbot, singer? Yeah, uh, he's a he's a monk. He's a Jesuit priest as well. Huh? Oh no, John Michael Talbot's the uh, Franciscan, not San Franciscan, Franciscan monk. Yeah, San Franciscan monk. Those monks are a little different. <laughs> oh yeah. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a great verse to memorize, don't you think? Verse 14 is also classic. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. In verse uh, 19, we pick up John's testimony. This is not the John that's writing this particular gospel. I'll pick up in verse 19. This is John's testimony. When the Judean leaders sent Kohanim and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? That's funny. That's a funny question to ask, don't you think? Who could tell me about uh, John's background? He's a priest. Son of Zechariah and Elisheva. He took a Nazarite vow. Well, actually, he never did. His mom accepted the vow given to him prior to his birth. Um, correct. Exactly correct. And what happened when his father found out? He lost his ability to speak and his ability to hear. He was also deaf. That's why they handed him a chalk thing and uh, 
told him to write down. Right? And they made signs to him because he was deaf and he could not speak. Second? John is a really cool name. That's good. It's good. It's John. John. We like John. John's a cool name. Good. So why would why would Kohanim, by the way, in this version, these really priests, priests and Levites from Jerusalem, come to ask him, "Who are you? How how is it that they would not know who he was? What's what's that question meant to be? Yeah." I mean, what's up with this? I mean, why are you out here doing this immersion thing? Then, <laughs> and what's up with the dress? Holy cow! Yeah, he openly admitted and did not deny. He admitted, "I am not the Messiah." What then are you, Elijah? They asked him. Why would they ask him that? Okay, so they're anticipating the return of Elijah. Elijah comes before Messiah, and more importantly. Yeah. Is they come out there and they say, Who are you? And his response is, I'm not the Messiah. And Isn't that beautiful? Is it he understood the implication of their question? Exactly. Are you the Messiah? Right. Because it, it wasn't, Who are you? Because they know who he is. He's a priest. His name is written in the rolls. He's on the course of priests that, priests that have to serve. They know who he is. Who are you? I'm not the Messiah. That's good. Why are they asking about Elijah? They're waiting for three people. Who are they waiting for? Elijah, Messiah, and the prophet. Or Elijah, the prophet, and Messiah. Exactly. Who's the prophet? Different class. Sorry about that. Pete's teaching a class on who the prophet is. That's coming up in weeks to come. Um, Why would they ask him if he was Elijah? Okay. Better. It might have been the way he was dressed. This guy looks like Elijah. He's dressed like Elijah. Well, he's, he's acting like Elijah. He, yeah, exactly. He's got the same ministry as Elijah. He's out. He's the voice crying in the wilderness, and he's out, he's out crying repent. Exactly right. Good. Are you Elijah? They asked him. I am not, said John. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. So they said to him, who are you? Give us an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of Adonai, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those sent were from the Pharisees. They asked him, if you're not the Messiah, Elijah or the prophet, why are you immersing? I immerse in water, John answered. Among you stands one you do not know, coming after me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. These things happened in Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was immersing. Bethany. Not the Bethany you'll read about later on, where the master spent most of his evenings during the last week of his life, but Bethany beyond the Jordan. Because the Bethany we read about is not beyond the Jordan. Beyond the Jordan means... On the other side of the Jordan. Thank you. That's, that's great. You're from Florida, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Beyond the Jordan means it's outside, outside the land of Israel. He's beyond the Jordan. Bethany, beyond the Jordan. Stern actually says the name of the place is Beit Anya. You're right. Which would be Beit Anya, obviously, would be the transliteration. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and on the maps, it's normally a, a dot with a circle rather than a filled-in dot. And on most maps, that means we're not really sure where this place is. It, it's sort of right here. Like they threw and hit it with a dart, you know, and it's a hole rather than a... We know where it is. Good. Who's in the audience? Was Yeshua there? He says, one among you. What does he mean? But that's the next day. It is the next verse. Do you believe that Yeshua was standing there when he said that? I do not. It's possible, but I do not. I, I think when he said, among you, he's meaning among us. He dwelt among us. It's a throwback to verse 14. He's among us. He is with us. That's very cool. It's very controversial. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think I'm going to pass on uh, making judgment on that, but I like it, Jonathan. I like it. That's good. The next day, I guess it's Tuesday, John sees Yeshua coming to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one about whom I told you. He who comes after me is above me because he went before me. I didn't know him. But I came immersing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I've seen the Ruach coming down like a dove out of heaven, and it remained on him. I didn't know him, but the one who sent me to immerse in water said to me, The one on whom you see the Ruach coming down and remaining, this is the one who immerses in the Ruach HaKodesh. And I have seen and testified that this is Ben Elohim. Ben Elohim? Son of God. Okay. Did John see the dove come down, or the spirit come down like a dove, on Yeshua at that moment? That's precisely my question. Thank you, Caleb. I think if you read the other Gospels, gentlemen, you'll find that no. He's telling you what he saw in the Spirit. And when Yeshua comes to be baptized, which we're not reading about now, that's when it happens. Exactly. Again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and watched Yeshua walking by. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Yeshua.
So, and he is a Kohen. And in fact, there is a theory that says he may have been the rightful high priest at the time, but he wasn't serving as high priest because of the corruption and everything else that was taking place. Right. So to the extent that that's true, I don't know if it is or not, but that is really cool. It is. Because now you have the true high priest declaring Isn't it also true that the priest anoints the king of Israel? This is cool stuff, guys. Okay. So I noticed we had, uh, as Peter said, the next day, and then in 35 again, the next day, and then in verse 43, the next day Yeshua decided to go to the Galilee. That's where he finds Philip. Philip talks uh, to uh, Nathaniel, and you got that whole deal there. I don't show up in second day in What version you got? Translation. Hebrew. Okay. I'm just saying it, it just says on another day. On another day. Okay. I got again the next day, but who knows. All right, not important. So, uh, my question now is, was this a really big deal? Let me tell you how I see it. I was brought up to believe that John was a, a renegade, didn't appreciate the corruption in the priesthood, said to mom and dad, you know, I appreciate you're a priest, I'm a priest, Every guy we have is a priest, a priest, priest, priest. But I, I, can't, I just can't do this. So I'm going to go live with the Essenes in the, in the desert and do the honey and really weird belt thing and, you know, all that and live like an ascetic man in these caves. And uh, thanks for the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, Mom. Bye. You know, and at some point, I guess through a, a broadcast email, maybe a Twitter feed or something, he gets a whole lot of folks to come out beyond the Jordan. They all come out. He gives his little spiel. They're like, wow, really? The next day, Yeshua shows up. That's the guy. Everybody grabs him, throws him in the water, and everybody goes home. And that's pretty much what, what the, you know, the Methodist church was teaching. By the way, there's a Methodist church in the country today that has just declared that they're not going to do any more marriages. This gay marriage thing has got to stop. They're not doing any more marriages of heterosexuals until the gay marriage is approved as legal. Yeah, thank you very much, Methodist Church. Yeah, so, so there you go. So, um, that's what I heard. So, that's the end of John. Now, the rest of the book, the rest of the Bible is all about Jesus, and we don't need John anymore. And, you know, you get a little allusion to him two more times. Once, oops, lost his head. And then the second time, Jesus actually mentions John. Well, who did you go out to see? You know, rock star? No, no, no. You know, you, you, uh, uh, what? I tell you, no man born of woman is a greater prophet than John. Oh my goodness, top shelf. Now we're done with John. We don't hear about him again anymore. That's all I've ever heard. Is that what you heard? Is that pretty much, I mean, you know, not 
maybe not my version, but you know, something like that. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Top shelf. Set apart from the womb, filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. Forerunner of Messiah. Calling for what? One thing. Repentance. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then actually physically IDs the Messiah. But that's really about it for me. I hope to show you tonight that it's just a little bit more than that. Would you turn to chapter 3 of John? As I came down the same avenue you did, what did repent Because growing up in my in the church, repent just means forgive me my sins. That's it. But that's not what it means. Change the behavior was never discussed. That's right. What I've now learned is turn around and go back to Torah. Exactly right. Exactly. What you're doing is incorrect. Repent and return. Exactly right. Wait, so exactly. you're telling me you can preach repentance without like this hat? Without that. You say you can do it yes. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> That's exactly right. That, yeah, that'll, that'll change some stuff. <laughs> All right, chapter 3 and verse, I have 22. I noticed that this is more of a Hebraic uh, weird version that is off a couple of times. Afterwards, Yeshua and his disciples came to the land of Judea. There he was staying with them and immersing. Now John was immersing at Anon near Salim because much water was there and many were coming and being immersed for John had not yet been thrown into prison. What do you learn from this? Yeshua was baptizing people. We'll find out from the other Gospels and actually later on that he wasn't actually physically baptizing himself. His disciples or apostles were doing it. But immersion is an important aspect. And Yeshua is promoting it. What else? Who did? John needed a lot of water. Excellent, Brock. Why? Yeah. It seems that this little flash in the pan, little splash in the pond, beyond the Jordan, wasn't just it. It kept going. It kept going to the point where there's a lot of people going out to see John. The place they're describing, by the way, is sort of northeast Israel, near the Jordan, but it is definitely inside the land. I didn't realize he kept immersing. I thought once he saw Yeshua, bam. Man, I'm glad that's over. Time for lunch. We can get back to the caves. You know, because he's done. I mean, the mission's done, right? What's he supposed to do? Preach repentance. Yeshua shows up. That's the guy. Time to go home. I can actually go back to the priesthood now, you know, and have some of those fellowship offerings. But now, now it appears, though, that Yeshua is and his disciples are, are, are immersing in Judea, south part of the land. But John is in the northeast part of the land. They're not even in the same place anymore. So it's not like it's a, 
it's a it's a duo act now. You know? They're in a separate place. Yeah, yeah, something's going on here. All right. So I'm just trying to bring some things to mind here. Verse 25 of chapter 3. Now an argument came up. Of course, it's a church, right? Now an argument came up between John's disciples and a Judean. Where's a Judean from? Judah. Judah, good. Where? I beg your pardon? Okay. Okay, good, good, good. All right, right. yeah. Well, it's interesting. Well, not necessarily, but you bring up a good point. A certain Jew. A certain Jew. So, it wasn't a Gentile. It's, this is a Jew. Well, anyway. <clears throat> Concerning purification. They came to John and said, Rabbi, the one who was with you beyond the Jordan. Who's that? The one you testified about. Look, he is immersing and all are coming to him. What do you learn from this? Give me some easy stuff, guys. I'm not asking for rocket science. I'm sorry? A lot of Jews repented. Let's leave it at that. Whether they believe in Yeshua, I'm not sure yet. But we definitely have a lot of people repenting. And since we need a lot of water, John's still baptizing a lot of people. It almost seems like a non sequitur. Hold that because I think it's a little deep for the discussion right now. They called John Rabbi. I like that. He's been teaching them, and he's teaching them about repentance. But who is it that calls him that? They. Who? They. Whoa. Who says it? It's John's disciples. Guys. He's already identified the, the Messiah. Don't you get it? That's the anomaly. He's still got disciples. Why would he have disciples? He's standing there. He goes, that's the guy. Behold the Lamb. What happened to the two guys standing next to him? They followed Yeshua. They no longer follow John. Who's arguing here? John's disciples. Whoa. I find that troubling. I mean, the Methodist Church never told me he had disciples that continued to disciple after he identified the Messiah. That's big. Well, yeah, you know, I got a ministry. Let's keep this thing going. Yeah, right? You know. <laughs> I'm working for the big guy. He's not here today, so I'll cover the class. You know. I think it's really important that we recognize that John was not just a quick deal. And I, again, I hope to prove that to you. But I am astonished that we've actually got disciples of John after there already exist disciples of Messiah. You then you. Yes, sir. Top shelf. Yes. Why wouldn't John have? Then he was the top shelf prophet. He. It's not like he 
stopped profiting. I'm with you, except for one just chronological anomaly. The Son of God is actually on the planet at this time. And, and this guy pointed him out. That's the one I've been telling you about. Go team. You, you can almost see him backing up. That's right. So why would you continue to follow me? Exactly. I got you. The other possibility here is they're identified as disciples of Johan, and but their statement is interesting because they say, hey, the, 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 the man who was with you on the other side of the garden that you spoke about, you know, so they refer to him as kind of... Like in the third person. Right, as opposed to the Mashiach. Yeah. But while well, well, he is here and immersing, and everyone's going to him, it's almost like they're... Jealous. John's, yes, yes. They're like, they're his disciples, but yet everybody's going to get immersed by Yeshua, and they're taking note of this, and they're kind of perhaps concerned, because then his, uh, response is, uh, no one can receive anything unless it's been given to him from heaven. Uh, Which, to me, seems to indicate that no one can receive anything referring to Yeshua. In other words, the reason Yeshua has this is has, has this growing ministry and, and following is because God, God has is called those guys. Which is later in the paragraph says Father Lord the Son has given all things. Yeah. So, you know, the, the TV revenues are drying up, you know, the whole all the offerings that are coming into the mail are gonna stop. We're really concerned. But when I thought about what he just said, I was astonished at the incongruity in the text. Look back at the text. Where is John? Why? What kind of water? He needs a lot of water. Why does he need a lot of water? Because there's lots of people coming to him. But what do his disciples say? They are all going to Yeshua. All of Israel went up to the feast. Not everybody. He was still standing there. Yeah. So there seemed to be a lot of people being following Yeshua, and yet there's so many more being baptized by Yochanan. Comment? Yes. It's more of a question. So both when Messiah was on the earth here, Yes. But do you still have a responsibility as a dad or rabbi or a person of influence to teach, even in light of the Good point. Good point. Absolutely. And I would say yes. There's nowhere in the Word of God that says I'm a dad and responsible for the training of my children until Messiah comes. He doesn't say that. That's my job. And that's essentially what a disciple <clears throat> is in the truest form of the word as a student. Precisely so. Right. A follower on the heels of in the, in the dust of the rabbi's feet and so on. So, I'm with you, but John seems to be making it clear, especially as we see later with, I must increase, he must decrease. You know, I mean, he must increase, I must decrease, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah, he's, he's like, you should not be following me. But he never says that. 
He never says, you should not be following me. He just, when presented with a question, he seems to give the appropriate response. Because what is his message to everybody anyways? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the Messiah's was the same. Yes. And Tim Hag always points out that for anyone to be considered a student or a Talmud of a Torah scholar, the Torah scholar had to have chosen that student, not vice versa. You don't go and sign up for like a class like Rabbi Gamaliel to be a student. He sees potential in students. Yes. So perhaps that dynamic might be here as well. And, and we see exactly what you're describing right before this passage, when he chooses Nathaniel, right? Right. Good. I like it. Other comments? Well, just to say that's cool. It makes, takes it away from the competition of numbers and more on the intent of, of finding actual quality students. Precisely. And those whom you're called to. Well, back to your father's comment. It's, it's God who's moving in the hearts of these people, and the ones that have recognized the Messiah can only recognize the Messiah because God has opened their eyes to see it. Chapter 4 and verse 1. chapter 4 and verse 1 now Yeshua knew that the Pharisees heard that he was making and immersing more disciples than John what's the question that came to my mind when I read that who cares that's exactly right Noah who cares why do the Pharisees care at all that Yeshua is baptizing, and essentially he wasn't baptizing, but his disciples were, more people than John? Because we know from, from the previous chapter that they took notice of what John was doing. Bingo. Bingo. So now if Yeshua is, is, is doing even more, so, <clears throat> then they're going to take notice of that too. And when they come out to ask Yeshua who he is. Yeah, well, now you get a different play going. Exactly right. All right, so do you see? Yeshua is following in the steps, as it were, of what Yochanan Hamakvil did. Yochanan had made such a splash. (laughs) He did. He did. And the Pharisees noticed it. And so many people stepped up to the call for repentance. And the fact now that Yeshua is calling and his immersion and his following, if you will, is even larger than John's is significant. But I want you to notice we still have two groups. John still has followers. There's a following of Yeshua And there's a following of John. And they are able to be compared number-wise. While Yeshua's is larger, John still has an amazing following. Regular disciple, not apostle, if you will. Yeah. Okay. 
Everybody following me? You with me? You see why it's important to look at John. That he's got an amazing following. That he's not a flash in the pan. That it's going on long after Yeshua is already calling disciples. Right? So, how long was Yeshua's ministry? Roughly three, three and a half years. Or as uh, a wise man once told me, one Torah cycle. Hmm. I like that better than three, three and a half. I like that. One Torah cycle. Because it just begs the question. Torah cycle, Torah cycle. What's a, what's a Torah? Yeah. Okay. So if you'll turn now to the book of Acts in chapter 18. Real quick on chapter 18. Yes. Yes, I think that's exactly what it means. He never physically brought anyone into the water and did that. Chapter 18 in the book of Acts. Yes, sir. So John's disciples that stayed with him, was that a mistake? Or was that a bloom where you're planted type thing? I would like you to answer that question for the class at the end of this class. His question was, were the folks that followed John and stayed following John making a mistake? I think it's a good question. But I don't think we can answer it yet because I think we need a little bit more information because now I think we'll indirectly answer your question. This is a great question. Because I think we're going to see now the effect of what's happened. Chapter 18 and verse 1. After these things, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he found a Jewish man named Aquila a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jewish people to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, that trade was tent maker, he stayed with them and began working. And for by trade, they were tent makers. Oh, sorry, there you go. It's the answer right there. And he was debating every Shabbat in the synagogue, trying to persuade both Jewish and Greek people. All right, so where is Paul? Where is Paul? He's in Corinth. That's exactly right. So, I'm sorry? He is in the synagogue. Yes, indeed he is. Move down now to verse 24. Yeah. Actually, uh, verse uh, 21 he set sail from Ephesus. So he's gone from Corinth to Ephesus, and now he's leaving. Verse 24. Now a Jewish man named Apollos. I'll read it again. You didn't get it. Now a Jewish man named Apollos. <laughs> why, why is it funny? What's, what's up? He's a Greek name, right? 
is a Jewish man named Apollos. Just like Paul, everyone in that day, and actually most Jews I know today, have two names. They have a Jewish name, a Hebrew name, and a Gentile name, or a pagan name. It's interesting, this guy goes by his Greek name. Of course, he's outside the land, it makes sense. A native of Alexandria. Alexandria's in Egypt. What do you know about Alexandria? <clears throat> Lots of Jews there. Number two. Septuagint. The folks from uh, Alexandria asked for the Septuagint because they had so many Jews there that didn't do the Hebrew thing too well. Native language is Greek, so they wanted the Septuagint or the Septuagint. They wanted the Tanakh written in Greek. Number two, population of Jews on the planet, Alexandria, Egypt. Number one was? Babylonia. Number two, Alexandria, you had the least number of Jews of any populated area like that actually in the land, right? He was a learned man, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. In the, in the Greek, hutas en karakemenas ten hadan tu kurio. Yeah, yeah, huh? Katakamenos is where we get catechism, instruction. He's been instructed in the way, or das, of the Lord. Exactly. This is a, this is a parallel to the Tanakh and understanding Haderic, the, the way in which we should walk. He understands how to walk. Before you came to understand the blessing of keeping the Torah and the halakha of our faith, did you understand truly, looking back, the way of the Lord? Maybe who the Lord was, what salvation is all about perhaps, but the way of the Lord, or the way, to flesh it out, the way of the Lord's people, the walk of his people. Yeah, I agree with you. With a fervent spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately. That word in Greek means precisely the facts about Yeshua, while only being acquainted with the immersion of John. Oops. He only knows about the immersion of John. This man began speaking out boldly in the synagogue, But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they couldn't understand why he couldn't close the deal. Now, that's my translation. Let me see if you agree. If I'm going to start talking to you about the scriptures, if I'm talking to perhaps a religious crowd, perhaps I've been invited to a church, and they actually made the mistake of letting me get up at the pulpit, I'm going to speak accurately, precisely, about the way of the Lord and about Yeshua. 
This is what we should and are being trained to do. And I think he couldn't close the deal. What do I mean by that? He was preaching repentance, but there's no follow through. I can't I can't close the deal. I can't finish it up. Exactly. Or in our parlance, I can't get them to understand how their life should now change after accepting Yeshua as the Messiah. Go ahead. He understood, he understood it, like internally felt it. He could feel it, but he couldn't put it to words. He didn't have all the information. Why not? He, did, he only knew about the Baptist. You know? What did he not know, Brock? Spell it out. Tell me what he didn't know. He didn't know about Yeshua's ministry. He didn't know about his death. He knew Yeshua was the Messiah. How could he not know that? What did he not know? What's up? I don't know. I don't know. If that's the case, I would suggest that Priscilla and Aquila would have treated him as a non-believer. He speaks concerning Yeshua. From the Scriptures. That's him walking down the road. So, do you think... By the way, let me just stop us all just so I can make sure we're clear. Were they wrong to stay with John if the Messiah is actually here? I don't know the answer to that yet. But let me point out to you a chronological fact. Do you have any idea what year it is that you're reading? Later than that, earlier than that. It's about 52. The temple's still up. But the cross was 20 years ago. The Messiah has not only been crucified, dead, buried, but He's already risen, walked around on the planet for 40 days, and then rose up into the clouds. But evidently not to Apollos. What is Apollos missing? Gentlemen, I present to you tonight, we have three baptisms. We have three different immersions described in the Scripture. No. And they are alluded to, described, or presented by, or tied to, three different people. And the problem is that it's divided the body of Messiah in the days of Paul. And it's caused a theological problem for Apollos and some of the others that stayed with John. Now that the apostles, or I beg your pardon, the disciples of John must have been around for quite a while. We just bumped into one 20 years after the crucifixion. Three immersions. 
Immersion number one. The immersion of John. It is an immersion of repentance. That's water. That's good. That's good. No, that's good. It was good. It was water. It was water. Yeah. I've got to watch the medium. Got to watch the medium. All right. Yes. It was an immersion of repentance. Why am I going in the water? Evidence that I'm changing my ways and therefore a change of status. It's either in accord with the Tanakh, I've changed my status because I was unclean, and once I go through those waters, I will be clean, provided the sun has set in certain cases. Baptism of repentance. You need to repent. Is there a time when that ends? Who said no? You said no. Why no? I haven't read that change in his organism. What would lead you to believe it? That it doesn't change? Mm-hmm. That I can't see that it hasn't changed. Tell me about your own life. I thought the question was, is immersion still relevant? Is immersion for repentance still relevant? Okay, so is immersion for repentance, which is what John was preaching, passe. Want to change your answer? No, no, no. Good. I think you're right. No, I, don't, I, don't I don't think, think it has I changed. Why would I say it has not changed, and it is still valid? Hold the thought from the young guys, older guy. And, and it's still here. It's still here right? so, so if you sin, right. what do you need to do? Exactly. Turn around and repent. As long as there is, as long as there, if there is sin and the ability to transgress the Torah, there has to be a baptism of repentance. There it is. So you're exactly right. But eschatology is out of place. But I'm with you. You're exactly right. Once all things change, there certainly wouldn't be the need. So, so I think you're right. It hasn't changed. We still need that immersion of repentance. It is a sign, an outward sign, of an inward change. Now, it may be a different kind of change. But that's the second type of immersion. The first one was heralded by, mostly, John. And it was a baptism or an immersion of repentance. What is the second one? That's the third one. The baptism of Yeshua. That's the guy. What's the immersion for? Oh, I hope not. What about that, that thief on the cross? Were we a little short on water there? Now, John went where there was a lot of water. That's helpful. But Peter says baptism saves you. Not that Peter. The apostle Peter says baptism saves you. But it really doesn't save you. That's not what he's meaning. That's not what the text means. What is that baptism for? What is that immersion for? I like acknowledgement. Can we work a little more? Okay. I'm looking for two words that start with I. Identification. That's the number one. I am identifying with Messiah in his death, 
burial, and resurrection. That's Romans chapter 6, gentlemen. That is what it is. But there's another I word that describes this immersion. It's, it's an immersion of initiation. I'm initiated, as it were, into the body of Mashiach because I am identifying with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. These are two different, completely different immersions. One is an ongoing. Not in the Baptist church because it happens all at once. That's why I didn't identify it. Okay. And there you go. So we were dinging on the Methodists before, and we can ding on the Baptists. Or the Anabaptists, which means another baptism. Because if you didn't get baptized in our church, well, your baptism doesn't mean squat. Get back in the water. Yes. <laughs> That's a, actually true. I'm not kidding. Really. As, a, as another example of this identity issue, and perhaps this is yet another example of the identity issue, is that it's possible. I'll try and get it down to three just so it's a good <laughs> point of a sermon, you know. Stop. Wait, wait a second. I'm going to 1 Corinthians now. Stop jumping in. It's always nine slides ahead. Hold back, John. Hold back. Gee whiz. All right. We're coming to Corinthians. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there was a, there was a problem in the church that had to do with immersion. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at that. Baptism of repentance described by, exemplified in Yochanan or John. A baptism of identification or initiation as exemplified by and practiced by Yeshua. These are two completely different things. The first one should be an ongoing thing in our lives. It would be great to have a mikvah. It really would. Not just (laughs) soon and in our days, right? Um, not just for family purity, but for our own individual walks that we might be able to properly acknowledge repentance. It's an ongoing thing. It's an all-the-time thing. And if you start to practice for temple worship, you need to get in the groove of being in the water. It's as simple as that. That second one, identification and initiation, I believe should be a one-time deal. You come up out of the water a new creature. I believe that the Jews in the Talmud and in the days of the Master that were looking for this initiation ceremony, if you will, of a Gentile converting to Judaism were putting those two together. They wanted you to immerse for repentance and initiation into the club. And when you came out of the water, according to the Talmud, you were a Jew indeed. New creature. As if you came out of your mother's womb all over again. That's why John, I mean, uh, Nick was so, uh, yeah, he was so incredulous in John chapter 3. Nicodemus is like, or Nakdimon. What? That's for I'm a Jew. How can I, how, what, we go back into my mother's womb. How can I do that? So they were they were putting that initiation and identification with the Jews into that whole ceremony. 
It's a big deal. The third one is the one John described but couldn't do. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Ruach HaKodesh. John said that's what Yeshua would do. Without question. He is the consummate Israelite. No question about it. Yeah. Because you're now, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, a co-heir with them. Part of the same body. You bet. Body of Messiah and one with the Jewish people. Would you suggest like now that number one and two would both be physical? Because it seems like they were here. Absolutely. No, I would say many more than twice. Yeah. I think that we should regularly be immersing for repentance. Would the difference between the first one and the second one be what? I think the second one is a one-time deal, personally. If you come out of that a new creature... It does look the same. Okay. They are physically simply an immersion. One is an identification with Yeshua and an initiation into the body of Messiah. I actually did that. Personally, I did that. Shortly after March 27th, 1981, I did that. I have never immersed for repentance. It just never occurred to me. I repent all the time. As I get older, it is my hope that I repent less because I have less to repent of. It hasn't happened yet, but I know it's going to happen. It's at some point we're going to, we're going to hit that smooth stretch of highway. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I think those that immerse for repentance without the second identification and initiation um, will have hope in this world and this world only. And they will have no place in the world to come. Because they've not identified with the living Son of God, with the Holy One of Israel, with Yeshua, the Messiah. But if they've done that second one, it should drive us to do the first one more often, I think. Yes, sir, I am. Were you baptized? Yes. In water? That's good. That's good. The peanut butter one doesn't work well, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so this baptism or immersion—that's <laughs> exactly right. the immersion in the Holy Spirit. John said that Yeshua would cause this. Has it happened? <clears throat> yes, I got a yes. How many say yes? How many say that we've had a baptism in the Holy Spirit? Definitely yes. How many are no? No way. How many really have no idea, but they don't want to feel stupid? Good. I'm with you. Do you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you? You would say yes. Would other people say yes? Okay. For Brock. I mean, oh, it's Brock. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How do we know?
Big. That was them, right? That was them, yeah. Okay. So he's been hanging? I would say so, yes. So you showed up and he decided to baptize you too? Really? Okay. Okay. Okay, so he was talking to you when he was talking to them. I know he was definitely talking to them. And in some cases, he actually referred to us. But I didn't know he was referring to you when he was talking to them about that. Well, I think it was them too. So, did you miss out on that baptism? Oh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? I think we need a different class on that. Maybe we could get... uh, Mr. Upham to teach the Holy Spirit baptism versus unction versus oil versus indwelling versus speaking in tongues and glory. Yeah, so we'll see. What about the concept of it being a down payment? Yes, an earnest of our redemption. Yes, yes. What about it? It is, right? Yeah. It is that. Uh, let, me, let me not leave you... we got a little bit of something right now. Let me not leave you hanging. I'll, let me give you my personal opinion now. And that's all. Personal opinion. My personal opinion is this. Oh, do we have personal opinions that we want to share together with the class? Or are you two just going to have a separate class? Or what are you going to do here? I'm just checking. My personal opinion on the Holy Spirit. There is no question. The man you see before you tonight is not the same man that was driving up the Jersey Turnpike on the 27th of March in 1981. This is a different guy. I can, I can assure you, trust me. If there's anything you want to trust me on, you would not like that guy. This is a different guy. I am a new creature. God reached down and killed me and raised up a new creature in Messiah. That's a fact, gentlemen, and I will swear to it in court. I have desires today I never had before. I have desires that day I had never experienced in my life. I had desires and actual addictions that were gone that day. And that's a fact. And I don't want your money. And I don't need a TV show. It's a fact. He reached down and he changed this guy. Does that mean I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? I have no idea. It's a different guy. Does that mean that I'm going to speak in tongues? It hadn't happened yet. Have I been baptized with the Holy Spirit? I have no idea. All I know is, I'm as sane as I was the other day. But today, I have different desires, different motives, and different inclinations. I'm a different man. I've been changed from the inside out. And I went in the water to identify with the one who saved me. Amen? That's all I can tell you. And there may be some hooby scooby going on with the Holy Spirit, the pouring out, and the I have no idea. We'll leave it to somebody better than me to teach that. I don't know. There's no question that I was born of the flesh and I was going to die. Now I have been born of the Spirit and I will live on high. The second, I don't believe the third. And where did you get the third? John says that he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe he was just talking to the apostles. I know they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Like tongues of fire. Seems kind of reminiscent of some other people. Jews, in fact. I know that there were some Gentiles that were baptized with the Holy Spirit that Paul came across. And it was definitely an evidence of salvation. But I can't tell you that's ever happened to me and no one's ever said, he's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They've never said that about me. But I'm from New York. Yes. Cornelius. So here, here's an example of what was going to happen. Not much. Uh, Two years at most. Okay, but, but the point is, the point is that if you if you if we look at Acts chapter two and say, well, that was just kind of a down payment, and that been on that shelf of mm-hmm. which I'm okay, I don't have a problem with looking right. at it that way. Right. But I don't think we can say that that's that that there was no more, more there was no more pouring out of the Holy Spirit. To the extent you want to equate the falling of the Spirit as the same thing with a baptism of the Spirit. Yeah. Which he seems to equate the two. I, I think that in Acts chapter 2, the apostles were definitely baptized with the Holy Spirit. No question about it. And I think in Acts chapter 11 and later on, when Paul meets up with those guys in Macedonia or Achaia or wherever they are, same deal. The Spirit came upon them mightily. I, I think that's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's the only ones then what John said came to pass. I'm not you know, feeling like I got left out because that hadn't happened to me. And I don't think you should either. I don't think there's any evidence. Again, I'm not teaching the class. I don't think there's any evidence that's going to guarantee that I'm going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's different than being born of the Spirit. Yes. Well, yes, that is the third one, absolutely. So we have in, in, the first, in the opening chapters of John, we have the first and the third. The second one is what Apollos didn't know about. And I believe that's exactly what Priscilla and Aquila told him when they took him home and taught him a more excellent way. And that there was a different baptism that there was an immersion that was different. And we see, and that's the rest of my class, that that didn't happen. Apollos evidently went home with them, listened, understood, but evidently did not agree or continue in a different vein. I believe he continued to do exactly the same thing. And we see this as we look later on in the scriptures. If you'll turn. Hey, Joseph, just a thought. Yes, sir? Tying into another class that you had a couple months back where we talked about the Holy Spirit power of the apostles and their healings. Yeah. And how the Holy Spirit allowed them to heal. Absolutely. I mean, it's, that's from Acts right. chapter 2. Right. But 
the occurrences of healings since that time have diminished greatly. Absolutely. I, it's just proof of I what mean, I'm saying. Is that, and that's, that's what I'm offering yeah. as far as in physical evidence that that might be an accurate statement. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't disagree with you at all, John. I'm with you. Acts chapter 2. Okay, that's the same thing. That's the only place we have it. Okay. There and at the mountain. Same deal. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 if you would. Paul opens up. Remember this is where Apollos spent some time. First Corinthians chapter 1. That's interesting. Paul's ticked. He opens this letter and he is upset. I bring to your attention that he is upset about immersion. In verse 10, Now I urge you, brethren, through the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same purpose. What does that imply? They are not of the same mind. They have different purposes. For it's been reported to me concerning you, my brethren, by those who are from Chloe's household, that there are rivalries among you. I say this because you are each saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, there's our boy, or I follow Kepha, or I follow Messiah. Has Messiah been divided? Paul wasn't crucified for you, was he? Or were you immersed into the name of Paul? I thank God that I immersed none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that none of you should say that I immersed you in my own name. Well, I also immersed the household of Stephanus. Besides them, I don't recall if I immersed anyone else. For Messiah sent me not to immerse, but to proclaim the good news, not with cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Messiah would not be made of no effect. Who did Paul learn about immersion, the the second immersion from. Let me give you that in better grammar. From whom did Paul learn about the second immersion? The first immersion was of John. It was for repentance. Paul obviously knew about that one. All of the Pharisees knew about that one. All Jews should know about that one. It's what the Tanakh teaches. Who taught Paul about the second one? Identifying an initiation in Yeshua, in Messiah. Who taught him that? No, he never met Yeshua himself other than in the Spirit. It was not Cornelius. He was a Gentile. Was it who? Priscilla and Aquila, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does, but it wasn't him either. His name was Aquila as well. Ananias, that's what his name is. Ananias, the guy who, the other guy who didn't die, that had the same name. That's right, Ananias. It was Peter. He spent time with Peter, and Peter taught him that. He mentions that in his other letters, and he mentions Peter in this letter right here. P 
Peter is the one who made it clear and was the very first one in Acts chapter 2 that Greg read about earlier. Peter is the one who first said, you should be baptized in the name of Yeshua. You need to identify with Him. You need to initiate this walk with the Messiah. So there's a baptism from John. There's a baptism of initiation from Yeshua that was taught by Peter to the crowd that was there. And that's where Paul learned it. And now you can identify everyone and why he brings them up. I follow Paul. I follow Paulos. I follow Kepha. I follow Messiah. You got Apollos, evidently, speculation on my part. It's all steps, too, by the way. It is. But you've got Apollos doing his immersion, which was an immersion of repentance. We see that earlier. That seems to be the only thing that he's lacking. He knows everything else about Yeshua. 20 years later, and he's still doing it. And there seems to be a division because now it's dividing the people. No, I was, I was baptized into this baptism. No, I was, I was baptized into that baptism. And it's a big difference. And it's breaking up the body. And he hates it. And he says it shouldn't be that way. Because they overlap, but they're unique and identifiable. Identity. Then, is it possible that he did not baptize in his own name? I I definitely believe that. The baptism, the second baptism, is inaugurated after After the cross. Yes, I definitely believe that. Yes, Greg. And the reason I say that is because there doesn't appear to be anywhere else that there's a difference in the baptisms between Yeshua and John's. And what's, what's Yeshua's message consistently throughout the Gospels? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm here, hello, repent. A, a, a repentance would be the only thing that he would talk about. Right, but, but we, we don't see any evidence, and it would be hard for me to believe that Yeshua would have said, now be baptized in my name. In my name. <laughs> And backing away from the whole I'm the guy. Right. Yeah, exactly Except right. For a few of his inner, inner and not till the end. Right. That's right. I agree. Yeah. So I'm I'm of Apollos. I I'm of Paul. I'm of Peter. I'm of Yeshua. I mean it just doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be that way. And that's exactly Paul's argument. He's like, what what are you doing? What are you doing? Repentance? Is that, is that the whole idea? Is that, is that what you're saying, Apollos? Good. Repent. But identify with the Messiah. Do you get it? We got one more uh, reference uh, later on in chapter 3, I believe, verses 5 and 7. And then I'll let uh, Greg bring up the other one later on. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? 
servants through whom you came to trust and to each as the Lord gave. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Now he who plants and he who waters work as one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. Gentlemen, immersion should be a unifying thing, not a dividing thing. 20 years after the cross, you've got a man walking around preaching repentance who knows everything there is to know about Yeshua. Precisely. Accurately. And he is arguing that Yeshua is the Messiah. And he's doing it effectively. From, only from the Tanakh. Thank you very much. What was the more excellent way? There is an immersion into Yeshua, into the body of Messiah. I've studied this guy. I can't find anything else it could possibly be. And when you listen to what Paul says later on, it appears that immersion for repentance was the end of Apollos' teaching. Now you know he's the Messiah. Repent and be baptized. And there's no identification There's no initiation into the body of Messiah. And I believe you can take to the bank that that's what Aquila and Priscilla were trying to teach Apollos that day. Questions, comments? You want to bring up the one you were going to? That's identification. So, again, there is this idea of being, of being immersed into Moshe. The first redeemer. Which is an identification issue. They had to identify themselves at, and, and, and by, by identifying themselves with Moshe, they were saying, we are going to follow the teachings of Moshe. And that would be significant, especially if you were one of the mixed multitude that came out. Because now you've identified with Moshe Rabbeinu. So can we say that's a, another way of saying we're part of the covenant? Uh, Are we identifying with that? I, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying that... I can work that. I'm saying that from, from this, Paul is, is making the point that there was an immersion that allowed the people to identify themselves with Moshe and everything that Moshe represents. Right. So, I'm so, saying, so you're, are you asking how does that apply to us today? No, no. I'm just asking, can, can we say it another way as if, uh, by can we make it synonymous to say that by identifying with Moshe that we're saying that we're part of the covenant? I, I, would, I would say it may be correct. But I don't know that I'd want to say that because to say that you're part of the covenant means you're going to be circumcised. There's a different way. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, but it's different. There is a way that you can demonstrate you're part of the covenant. And it's circumcision, not immersion. 
that's the only reason why I would second guess and say but, it may be. But I, would say, I would say this, right? When we hear the name Moshe, we think? Tanakh, Torah. Well, I, I think you've nailed yet another way that Moshe Rabbeinu is a type of Messiah in that we need to be baptized or they were commanded to be baptized into or immersed into the first Redeemer. As later, Peter says, you need to be baptized or immersed into the second Redeemer or the ultimate Redeemer. Same deal. You bet. Good. Good comment. Anything else? Yes, sir. Repentance. We know the second one from the Torah as well, as he just pointed out. I guess I'm just I'm trying to think of what that. How does that differ, or what does that look like differently? Like, for instance, when it's a one-time thing. I I did get baptized in the name of Yeshua. Good. It was more of a recognition and identity thing. Good. So you know what it's like. But are we kind of saying that that's required? It's a command. Yeah. Repent and be baptized. Absolutely. You bet. If anyone says to me, do I need to be immersed? Absolutely. Why would you not want to be immersed into the name? Why would you not want that outward indication? Why would you not want to identify with Messiah? Romans chapter 6. Why would we have Romans chapter 6 there if it was not something that we should do? Would it be a sin if you didn't do it? No, I don't think so. I would certainly question why you wouldn't want to do it, though. Keep in mind, too, that in the, in the historical context here, immersion for purposes of identity was well understood and in, and in some application was a hot topic, right? Big time. Because that was the way that the, that the circumcision, both believing and unbelieving Jews, were teaching that if you want to have a place in the world to come, you must convert to Judaism and become legally Jewish, halakhically Jewish. What's the mechanism to do that? In that day when the temple was standing, bring an offering, circumcision if you're if you know, circ- being circumcised if you're not, and then the last step is mikvah, because mikvah was the symbolic act of your status changing. Identification. And so we, that concept of, of, of immersion for the purposes of identifying with a person or a group of people is a very well understood concept to the people. Yeah. That the I, I had always understood that the immersion in that four-step deal was just part of going to the temple. Because you're not going to get in there to make the offering in the first place, unless you're immersed. But that, that's not what that was about. And the Talmud makes that clear, that it was the immersion. As soon as you come up out of the water, you're considered a Jew. 
has nothing to do with anything else that went on. So identification is a regular thing. So I'm curious about your reluctance to grab and hold on to that since you actually did it. And welcome to the club. Like, Except in the Bible. You're, coming, you're starting to come here. Like you need to, we need to make sure to schedule a, a quick immersion. You know, like that's not just because it's. It seems like. But it has nothing to do with joining a body of believers. Nothing, zero. It has to do with joining the body of Messiah. And I know it's not talked about, but most of the Bible's not talked about. Peter stands up and says. He died, and he rose again. Wahoo! What do you need to do? The Philippian jailer, bam, got all kinds of movement. He thinks everybody's running away. No, we're right here. Sir, what must I do to be saved? What did he tell him? Repent and be baptized, and you shall be saved, you and your household. I mean, it's throughout the Bible. It may not be taught a whole lot, but it's there every single time. It's the identifying factor. And I believe that's why Apollos stands out as an oddball. Because it makes it clear. He taught repentance, but never identification. And that identification is important. You know the interesting thing? I wasn't there when you got baptized into Messiah Yeshua. So was it important? Yeah, it was. Not just for you, right? Not just for you and for those that saw as a witness, but an ongoing testimony. It's the beginning of the walk. Yes, sir? You were baptized, right? So were were you baptized in the name of Yeshua? I mean, was this an identification thing? Obviously, growing up, you know, Baptist or whatever, evangelical, it's, you know, the whole Trinity thing, Mm -hmm. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Oh, so you get like a triple deal. Okay, that's good. That's good. But, so I'm just, I'm trying to figure out if, uh, I mean, obviously, when it's, depending on your walk or wherever you were at, when you were baptized, you know, if it, Oh, a sincere deal, or well, yeah, or just you know, I mean, obviously, like like he said, um, you know, sometimes it's pushed like Baptist for sure. Like, yeah, you can't even down in the water, man. Let's go. <clears throat> yeah, unless you're there. So I'm wondering if you know. Yes, I someone may have done it when they were 14 or 12 or yeah. 13, but how much of that is actually you know to be considered the step number two? Sure, and that's a great question. And I would go right back to to Gregory's question. You know, is it, is it required? Do I have to do that? Well, I mean, that's a weird question. Yeah, you have to do that. Why? Because God said it. I mean, it's a regular thing. That's the habit. But there doesn't seem to ever be anything about, no! Oh, how many, what is it, amot? How many amot of water? Is it gallons? What is it? What is it in the Talmud? Say How many sayas of, of water was in the thing? Oh, well, you didn't have enough water there. Or was there somebody watching to make sure that every little bit went under water? There doesn't seem to be, in the scripture, I'm sorry? Wasn't it 40, like 39? Yeah, yeah, you know. But there doesn't appear to be in the scripture, the Talmud, yes, but in the scripture, there doesn't appear to be anything about a right or wrong way. I mean, did you walk into the water yourself, dunk yourself, and be done? 
Or did some guy put that rag over your face and go, how did that work? Did he push you down? Was it by yourself? Was a guy on each arm? If you have questions about whether you were baptized or immersed into Messiah Yeshua, let's go hit the pool. It's the best we got right now. If, if so, then don't sweat it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. To me, that's the freedom we have in Messiah. And I think that's where Paul was coming from. What? What? Okay, so you, you, know, you guys did it that way, and you guys did it that way, and you in the back row did it a different way, and, you, and you're all thinking you're... Di- <clears throat> he wasn't into that at all. Does that answer the question? Do we need it? No. no, okay, good. Just check. You know, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'll just take the mic off and we hit the water. Any other questions? Helpful? Let me give you at least something to think about. I think uh, that puts Apollos to rest for me. Strange guy. I think he most assuredly identified with him, and he, he was zealous teaching the word and proving, without a question, from the Tanakh, that Yeshua is the Messiah. There's no question about his salvation, because Aquila and Priscilla never get into that, neither does, Apollo, uh, does Paul. He's a fellow worker, he says. So he's definitely in the group. The problem was his teaching... He only preached a, an immersion of repentance. Never identification with Messiah. And, and that appears to be the only thing that's missing. And earlier you had said that it's, it's the second um, immersion that secures your place in the world to come. Whereas the first one... Well, I think, I think Peter's implying that. Okay. Peter's implying, whether it's physical or otherwise, that's how baptism saves you. It's not the physical water that does it. It's the fact that you have identified with Messiah. That's what saves you. And that's the only way the baptism could possibly save you, is an identification with Messiah Yeshua, the very Son of God. And I, I just think he didn't see the importance of that identifying step, which was commonplace in Judaism. And yet he didn't, he didn't see that. And evidently never heard about it. So back to your question. Yeah, I think they were wrong. I think you get the Messiah right there. The bridegroom has just showed up. And everybody should be rejoicing with the bridegroom. And they chose not to do that. And for those that kept up their discipleship of John alone, rather than including Yeshua, we see 20 years later, the fruit of that is a man who's able to identify the Messiah from the scriptures and preach Christ crucified, and yet miss a fundamental piece of the identification we must have with Messiah and his people. I thought it was a valid bid, you know. That's kind of like the parable Yeshua told about the women with the, the oil and the bride. Yes, the virgins. Good. I like it. I like it. Good? That was helpful. Yes. I don't think 
John's disciples were wrong while Yeshua was still alive. Granted. Right. I, I, I'm with you. And one big thing is Yeshua's not pushing his own baptism, and I think he hasn't died yet. Well, and I, I agree. And, and to your father's point, I don't think Yeshua was preaching any other different kind of repentance anyway. So, yeah, while he's alive, no problem. Afterwards, it's almost like they missed the major point of John's ministry. was not just repentance. It was repentance and, oh, by the way, I'm the one crying out in the wilderness. I'm the one who's making straight the paths for the Lord. All right, let's pray, shall we? Good Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for Yochanan Hamakvil. I thank you that uh, he was diligent. He stayed the course to the point of actually losing his life for you. I respect him. I'm honored to be included in his call to repentance. Father, we pray that you would send your son quickly, that the divisive issues of the day including immersion and identification with various groups and so forth, would simply vanish away as we begin to see clearly as our Messiah draws near. May he come soon and in our days. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, gentlemen.